You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. I am currently dying from the plague, so bear with me if that comes through at all during this episode. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about in both the realms of college football and college basketball. Um, we are on to conference championship week for football. But first, let's look at the week that just happens. A lot of good games. Um, starting off with the game, Ohio State-Michigan. And just like has happened the last couple of years, Michigan really peaking at the right time, never playing better football coming into this game. Does not matter at all. Nope. It makes it made actually zero difference <laughs> in this game. Uh, Shea Patterson... 305 yards, which might be a career high at Michigan. I don't know off the top of my head. But it was he's 18 of 43, a turnover, uh, an interception, and, and Ohio State just dominates what we have seen all year is a pretty good Michigan defense, and their defensive front just steps up. It, it really just does not seem to matter, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that's going to change anytime soon, at least the way both of these programs are going. I don't know if it's going to take Michigan getting like the guy at quarterback or if it's going to be like a, an actual change at head coach that changes the entire culture because, I mean, it, it hasn't even been close, really. Yeah, it's it's eight straight wins for Ohio State, which is a school record in the series. Um, if, if you're an LSU fan listening, cover your ears for a second. Um, I'm going to say potentially triggering things by complimenting Ohio State. Um, J.K. Dobbins, dominance. Justin Fields, great without, you know, seemingly that dominant. But, I mean, that, that's just kind of how excellent he's been all year. Um, and, I mean, the, the defense still p- played pretty well, considering how Michigan has been playing the last couple weeks. Um, like, all I saw all day was just LSU people just trashing Ohio State for giving up 27 points to Michigan and how that proves they're not a complete team, forgetting that LSU almost gave up a 40-burger to noted football powerhouse Vanderbilt. Um, Yeah, I'm a a little triggered by them getting triggered. Um, But if you're Michigan, like this is kind of the the way the last couple of years have gone, except this this was was overall better because Jim Harbaugh beat his rivals this year with the exception of this game. So, you know, it's it's another third or fourth place finish in the Big Ten East, um, becoming commonplace at Michigan under Harbaugh. Um, I don't I don't know where you go from here. I have some some crazy fun suggestions that no Michigan man will ever entertain, such as bring back Rich Rod as an offensive coordinator. Um, now that there's, you know, uncertainty with Ole Miss, um, Matt Luke being gone, or, you know, I mean, how long is Chip Kelly going to be at, at UCLA? <laughs> Just bring, bring him back. I think that's what it's going to take if you get – Yeah. Because Josh Gaddis is clearly, you know, not the guy. Um, like, they, they had a, two or three good games offensively this year, if that. Um, I mean, it's, it's clearly just not enough to they're, – they're losing the arms race certainly with Ohio State. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, they just do not have the same playmakers. Or if they do have like a Donovan Peoples, Donovan Peoples Jones, they're not utilizing him in the correct way at all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you you just end up with what is turning into larger and larger margins of victory for Ohio State every year. 
they are quickly becoming Iowa. Michigan is quickly becoming Iowa. Like that's that's the nicest way I could put well, it. And like I don't know it. It, they they have more talent or at least more athletic talent I think than Iowa does and right. I don't think that's that's like too big of a leap to make, but results I mean Iowa at least has a chance to play for Big Ten titles year in and year out. We already know Michigan isn't going to be there just because they're not going to beat Ohio State. Penn State has seemingly been at least the last couple of years since James Franklin's been in town been better. Michigan State's God only knows what you're going to get from them, and then it's like. Even after that, that's two at least two losses right there. You're not winning the Big Ten East that way. Um, so I don't. I, I agree that they're going to need something drastic. I don't know what the drastic move is. I don't know who the drastic person to bring in is. Um, part of me would love to see just like a hodgepodge of who's who and former head coaches just show up on campus and then be like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do this or. Are we going to go big here? Harbaugh's going to go big here, or we're just going to go home? Yeah, I mean, the part of the difference between Iowa and Michigan and you know, whether they're in the race in a given year is kind of the difference between Big Ten East, Big Ten West, and how not even those divisions are year in and year out. But, I mean, Iowa's Iowa is because Kirk Ferentz is able to manufacture nine-win seasons out of a team of largely three-star and below talent. Like, he, he does more right. with less than anyone else in the country. And if Michigan is ending up at the essentially same finishing point every year, that's underachieving drastically. And Certainly. That's, that's kind of where, where we're at with Harbaugh because this is a stretch of Michigan football that is still as good as it's been um, in the last, you know, two or three coaching regimes, but they're still unable to get over the hump, still unable to win – the most important game of the year, which is Ohio State, and I mean, contend for Big Ten titles. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're consistently a top fifteen, top twenty football team, but that's it. Yeah, it's it, it feels a little bit. I keep I keep comparing them to different programs, but it kind of feels a little bit like Texas as well. Where I was just yep, thinking that, yeah, yep, where there there's hype early in the season, and then all of a sudden there's a deflating loss. And they're kind of on the back burner. And then they win a few games and everyone's like, oh, yeah, Michigan, they look pretty good. Texas, they look pretty good. And then they get into a big game and they just get smoked. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this is the team that we remember seeing earlier in the year. I still think Michigan's in a better position that, like, Texas would kill to be where Michigan is right now. Like, this year, unmitigated disaster for Texas, especially when you have the, the high watermark basically was being competitive against LSU. It was all downhill from there after that was, you know, a top 10 matchup early in the season. Right. Michigan's consistent. Texas is trying so hard to be back. They're pretty much all of their hype coming into this season was buoyed by beating Georgia in an exhibition game last year, which is kind of crazy in retrospect, but yeah. that's that's what we like to do as as college football fans and prognosticators is overreact wildly to you know what may or may not be two teams trying their hardest um you know because that's that's kind of what we'll we'll get to this in a little bit but that's kind of what i anticipate from alabama and whenever bowl they end up i don't know how Mm -hmm. much they're going to care um so i'd almost definitely take the points of whoever they're going to play but like georgia was definitely the same way last year after just missing out on the playoff texas got a good win there 
didn't parlay that into anything in what largely was a down year for most of the Big 12. So yeah, it depends on who you want to compare yourselves to if you're Michigan. Um, but ultimately, it's it's going to be comparing yourselves to Ohio State, and they are falling well short in that area. To be fair, though, everyone in the Big Ten is at this rate. Um, yeah, but I like. I think the the ground's much closer for teams like Penn State and Wisconsin than it is for Michigan. Yeah, I, I mean, as as an Indiana football fan, I'm not losing any sleep that my team is leaps and bounds worse than Ohio State. But right, you can you can bet that at least ninety percent of Michigan's fan base is because I have seen some absolute diaper fillings going on online today Mm -hmm. um i think this was on mgo blog but the the fan post today about how like as as soon as you realize at a school like michigan as soon as you realize that you're inferior athletically you automatically pivot to well we have better academics yep um and that just the one of the most embarrassing posts i've ever seen in my entire life but that is that is indicative of what a michigan man is and it's it's embarrassing the 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 hoops that Ohio State means so much better than Michigan in football is causing Michigan fans to jump through like it's it's crazy they will they will never be satisfied with a ten and two year um, or even eleven and one if yeah one of those losses involves a, a loss to Ohio State it's it's th- this is uh, this is part of the reason that makes it fun like college sports but yeah. it's also like incredibly maddening from the outside looking in at just some of these things that people pick and choose in their arguments. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it just, it, it gives people brain worms. It's, it does. it's illogical a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which the iron bowl. Yeah. That was fun. The um, most illogical game in the history. Like every year, seemingly they won up it with just chaos. It's, it's Alabama wins comfortably or Auburn wins in just the most psycho game ever and yep. kick six was certainly that this game was that um i i talked about bill Connolly sp plus uh win expectancy alabama's after this game was 94 percent and they lost part part of that yeah so two pick two pick sixes yeah one essentially in the end zone didn't help um because like it's it's pretty because when you look at Auburn's offensive stats, like they they outperformed what they normally do, which is indicative of like we've talked about Barely. Alabama. Well, yeah, but they kind did, of what we're talking about with Alabama not having as strong defense as yeah. they normally did. They, they Auburn didn't have the the type of offensive production that you'd expect when you see forty eight points. One hundred percent. It's still it's still a classic Bo Nix stat line. It 15 is of th- fifteen of thirty of one seventy three. A touchdown and a rushing touchdown, but um, he was effective when he needed to be. Whitlow had a great game. Yeah, um, the Wildcat. I mean, it, they it got creative. Was so blatantly obvious that they just don't trust Bo Nix in these big situations anymore. That they just go into. I mean, it's third and what third and six late in the game, and they run an actual route for Jatarvius Whitlow to throw to, but he ends up keeping it. It's yeah. like. You have your quarterback on the field at the same time. You can do this. I I really hope he takes a, a Joe Barrow like leap next year because yeah he 
I, I, I almost feel bad at this point because yeah, you're, it's you're tough. right. There is, there is, there is no trust in him right now. Um, not that they're really, not that he's showed that there should be, um, from a passing perspective, but it's the inaccuracy. It's not necessarily right. mistakes. Well, yeah, it's, it's a less, yeah. Inaccuracy is less painful a mistake if it's an incompletion versus, you know, just turning the ball over all willy nilly. Right. Um, so I'll give you that. Like, Jones had two interceptions, both returned for touchdowns. Those are killer. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the one in the end zone that was just... That was such a weird no, that play. Was, that was just not where it needed to be at all. Um, Jalen Waddell, basically the fourth wide receiver on Alabama. It's just a stud. Balled out, four touchdowns. Like, that's to take nothing away from Tua at all, but... A lot of quarterbacks could be successful in that offense mm-hmm. when you have four NFL quality wide receivers to throw to, three who are more than likely going to be gone, um, taken in the first two days of the draft, uh, most likely. But then you have your your fourth guy running a kickback, receiving three more, and I mean, at times seemingly single handedly keeping Alabama in this game. Like that's that's just ridiculous and. I mean, credit credit to Jones for for stepping up. Best opponent he's played and playing well, but like, it's it's a little absurd that that Alabama, you know, just does not have anything resembling its normal defense this year because this offense is next level, and they're just not able to get enough stops, which is something you'd never think you'd say about a Nick Saban Bama team. Uh, it. I mean, the fact that Jones threw for 330 yards and four touchdowns, well, technically six, because the two yeah, interceptions so. were touchdowns as well. It's but true. Sorry, Bama fans, but that's true. Uh, I mean, it, it does to a point. It's like this receiving core is just so historically good. Like the, I don't know that we've seen a receiving core this good in years, and I don't know if we will see another one this good for a long time because it's deep. Everybody there is a playmaker. Everyone there seemingly runs like 4-3 fast. Ruggs, I think, is in the 4-2s, which is just bananas. Um, but they have so many playmakers. I mean, Harris is a great running back. They've got a good offensive line this year. Uh, it's not as good as it usually is, but it's still good enough where they, they can establish a run game. But the defense is just nowhere to be seen, and it's – I don't know whether it's the, the scheme or they just don't have the same talent that they usually have, but whatever it is, I mean – it was their Achilles heel all season long, which we've talked about, and it rears its ugly head in the biggest game of the season, essentially. Uh, quick little trivia. How many interceptions do you think Bo Nix has this year? Four. Oh, he has six. Uh, you undershot I assume, it. I thought you were going to overshoot it. I assumed it was a low number based yeah. on you're asking that. Um, and also the fact that, yeah, he, he doesn't complete a lot of passes to, to, to either, either team. team. Yeah. <laughs> but um, now, now that we're at the point where – you know, I'm a little relieved that we don't have to think about Alabama in the playoff, which is something I've been railing against for the greater part of the year. Now the question can be asked, is Tennessee Alabama's best win this year? The answer is yes. Undoubtedly, <laughs> yes. The Vols are back. Um, I mean, to be able to win in that game, I'll, to be fair, Maurer was out, or he got hurt in the game, so they had to put in Garantano, who stinks, but... I mean, look at the schedule and pick, like figure out who the best win is. It's hard to do. There are so many other teams. So many other teams. I think 
most teams in the top 25 have a better win on their schedule than Alabama does. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's it's Tennessee or it's A&M. And talked about how I don't respect A&M all year. Um, and that, that'll continue once we get to least impressive. But, the yeah, it's, it's just... Like must be must be fucking nice that to stay in playoff contention all season based on absolutely nothing to do with on field performance. Yeah, the like eye, hey man, the eye test. If you've seen this team play, you know they're a playoff team. Yeah, it's it's hu- human error and bias is always going to super or like overtake objectivity as as long as this current format exists. And it's what we, we've talked about the last couple of years with UCF. Despite on-field results or, you know, any numbers, anything like that, there are always going to be whatever acting or, like, current AD of an SEC school that's on the committee going to be like, well, there's no way UCF would be able to compete with mm-hmm. School X. Or, like, right. you know, if you, you say you take an an 11 even a 10 and 2 bama with no wins to write home about you put them up against utah i bet most of those people are thinking bama by two touchdowns right um which which is completely unfair and based on you know absolutely nothing over the other than oh we think they should be good but not gonna i mean barring some crazy events that now undoubtedly will happen we don't have to worry about that. So, I'm trying. I was looking back to try age. and see if UCF had a better win than Alabama, and I don't know that I can actually make that argument. Um, Florida Atlantic has nine wins. Oh, That's, you're saying this? Are you saying this, this year's, year's UCF? UCF? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say Temple. when they went tw- when they went 12 and 0 the last two years, they definitely did. yeah. Temple they beat Temple 63 to 21, and Temple has two top 25 wins. So, well, one of those was Maryland. Counts. <laughs> but but one was Memphis. Yes. Only only lost the year, so we count that. Um okay. And then speaking of frauds, Wisconsin taking out Minnesota in a, a nice no football game. Yeah. Uh, a couple touchdowns from Jack Cohn and Jonathan Taylor. Um it's a nice story. Um and and really the nice takeaway for me is, you know, out of the "Quote unquote splashy hires um, from a couple of years ago in the Big Ten West, I definitely would have assumed that Scott Frost would have Nebraska in better shape than PJ Fleck. Most has people Minnesota. thought this would be Scott Frost right now. Yeah, um, it's not. They finished five and seven though, so that'll you know better than last year. So they'll they'll be ranked even higher next yep. year's preseason poll, number sixteen. Uh, <laughs> um, but." Yeah, Minnesota got the one good win over Penn State, so we can't completely write off uh, this ten and two season. But um, really, really sputtered to the finish. Not even winning your division after that is uh, it's kind of disheartening. Extremely, I'd have to say, extremely. Uh, it, I mean, there are good things here. The defense clearly was not at the level that could compete at at with these top teams in the Big Ten. Um, I think the offense was good enough, though. I really do. I mean, Bateman is an absolute star at receiver. Morgan grew into the role more so as he got as he as he went along this season. He certainly has a big arm and is capable of doing it, but I think his decision making still isn't quite there. 
for me in this Wisconsin game, this was the emergence of Jack Cohn. Like he he won this game for him. I mean, Taylor obviously was bottled up a little bit, and the conditions certainly weren't helpful. But when you can get a quarterback to throw 280 yards and two scores in a snow game, that is taking the bull by the horns right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I guess Wisconsin is a little little more used to playing in big games and also has the style of being able to overcome difficult conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would have to agree with that. That take hundred percent is remember when you talked about the, the Penn state game, Minnesota was fortunate in a way that, you know, they were able to pick off Clifford deep in their own territory, uh, like every time. So yeah. that, that took quite a few points off the board. Um, not able to, share the same good fortune against Wisconsin and I mean overall good bounce back season for the Badgers after how disappointing last year was obviously the way this year started could have been more um you can't can't erase the loss to Illinois but they will after all that still get a shot at a Big Ten championship uh rematch with Ohio State so there is that chance to spoil a season yeah it's all anyone could ever want exactly although although Who's who's to say if that would even knock him out of the playoffs? Yeah, that is a good point. Um, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Bedlam this year, pretty uh, pretty low key compared to normal. It was uh, it was going to Bedlam a little, this year. Almost a little disappointed. Folks. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Hertz Hertz was okay. It was uh, it was largely the Kennedy Brooks show. Yeah. Um, and and Shuba Hubbard for Oklahoma State, which. I mean, we're not used to a predominantly ground game between these two teams. Definitely not. And I mean, that was that was part of the putting everyone to sleep. We have great running backs almost every year, but they're not the feature. And especially this year with Jalen Hurts, like running the ball is what Oklahoma is going to do more often than not. I mean, he threw the ball 16 total times. He carried it 16 times. It just shows you where the play calling is going. Part of that is obviously a testament to Lincoln Riley getting his guy in the right spot to, to help him make plays, but also that's just where they're better, plain and simple. Like, get them on the move, and that's where they make the most plays. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma defense is starting to play a little better, still not to a point where I trust them, but the offense feels like a uh, well-oiled machine that's almost – it's not this quick-strike offense anymore. It's almost like a we're-going-to-run-the-clock kind of Kansas State style where we're going to throw some quarterback runs at you. We're going to, you know, go between tackles. We're going to bounce it outside. We're going to run a little trickery and then maybe we'll throw the ball. Yeah, they they also the defense also held Oklahoma State under 350 yards, which isn't like spectacular, but considering the opponent still pretty solid. Right. Um obviously the 16 points is uh is a bigger statement there. Um for Oklahoma, I think uh a lot still would need to happen uh, for them to get into the playoffs, but this win helps. They are they're not dead yet. Yeah, I mean, just just blow out Baylor and maybe they got a chance. Yeah, could happen. Um, Memphis, Cincinnati, the uh, the Jason Benetti game of the weekends. Yep. Um, we're gonna run it back next week, so. I mean, we can't. We can get a get a recap and preview done right now. Um, <laughs> back to it'll, back. It'll be it'll be at Memphis. Um, this was basically winner gets to host the, the American title game. Had Cincinnati won, they would have played Navy at home. But 
Memphis won the right to a rematch. Um, and similar things we talked about against SMU. Um, dynamic offense led by Brady White. And, I mean, some of the the best special teams play um, out of anybody in the country you're going to see at Memphis. Yeah. The thing, the thing about Memphis is we, we touched on it earlier this year. Home field for them isn't necessarily like a, an atmosphere. It's not like a tough place to play. But the team itself is just so damn good at home. They seemingly don't lose there, at least over the last, I don't know, four or five years. And that's been the case all season long. So them getting this home game, even though it's the same opponent in back-to-back weeks, is still huge for them. Like you said, Brady White, really good. They don't seem to have that running back just yet. They're a little bit by committee, but it's it's basically Brady White versus Michael Warren on the other side. And and at Lions Township finest, Ben Bryant. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's I expect a very similar game as I'm morphing this recap into a preview of uh th- this past weekend. So, it, I'm excited well, to see. It's always interesting to see how teams adjust after seeing each other just a week ago and going through the film and everything like that because the tendencies are obviously there. Do you just throw the playbook out and start from scratch or do you just stick with what's got you there cuz these are both 10 and 11 win teams. You, you say always as, this, as if this is an every week occurrence. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati had really been making its mark defensively. Um, their typical starting quarterback has been struggling on and off with injuries, and it's really taken away anything resembling a passing game. So Ben Bryant's comparatively 229 yards really airing it out um, and really gave a big boost to this offense. But the problem is Memphis is so talented offensively, they were able to win the battle of strength on strength. And, I mean, largely largely render Cincinnati, any Cincinnati advantage, um, I mean, basically useless. And then, of course, picking up five sacks their own, stepping it up defensively, um, still going up against a backup quarterback. But, I mean, I would – this uh, this unbiased yep. podcaster would, would argue a talented one um, who, who's going to do big things. Wisconsin is going to read the day that they uh, they pulled his scholarship offer um, just because he tweeted about receiving one from Georgia, just like every other recruit does in the history of ever. But that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, but I would expect the exact same result next week. Yeah. I mean, even Vegas does uh, Memphis's 10-point favorites. I, I'm going to stick with something like 35-24, 35-21 in this game. Um, the key, like you said, if Bryant can get the air game going, if he can play a little cleaner football, take away some of those turnovers, and they've got Warren to help him out, if they can do that, I mean, three total turnovers is the difference in that game. If they cut down even one of those, it's a one-score game, and you never know what can happen if you get the ball last. So that's all... That's all, but that's all they need to do. That's the biggest key uh, for me is just is just cleaning up the turnovers. If you're Memphis, control the clock, get your playmakers the ball, and and let it roll. Yeah, um, could be could be winner to New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, um, obviously re- recording this a day early this week, so we don't know what the new CFP rankings are looking like. But have to I imagine they're going to outduel Boise State. Yeah, and I I don't anticipate Cincinnati would drop that far for losing this game mm-hmm. um but obviously if they do they could maybe have too much ground to make up over boise and appalachian state who both have 
very winnable conference championship games of their own. Right. But we uh, we will see. So uh, got some most impressive and least impressive um, from last week. Um, most impressive for me, I got I, I have to give a shout out to Virginia. Yeah. Ending fifteen game losing streak to Virginia Tech and also ensuring that everyone has won the ACC Coastal once in the last seven years, and there are seven teams in that division, which is the most amazing thing ever. The most incredible round robin is finally complete. Uh, yeah. It was the only preseason pick I got right, Virginia versus Clemson in the ACC title game. I don't – I, I, I don't want to go back and look at mine, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I predict, predict – the same for this one, which means I was probably way off on the others. Um, Just that's like okay. me. <laughs> uh, I at least got Ohio State, so there's that. Yeah, but yeah, it's a uh, good job by by Bronco Mendenhall at at Virginia, um, coming over from BYU, and and really when he started the cupboard was absolutely bare. It was a, a very tough to watch two and ten first season, and they've steadily improved from there. Um, might have still wanted a bit more um, from this year's team, considering they were, by most publications, the preseason favorite in the division. Um, and considering how you know football challenged the rest of the ACC turned out to be, you might have hoped that they would be a little more dominant. But at the end of the day, Virginia football doesn't experience a lot of high moments. You can't really nitpick that much. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a huge accomplishment, and I mean, nothing to lose this week against Clemson. Absolutely nothing, and certainly we ex- we probably expected a little more. And by that, I mean ten wins. Is that like obviously they have nine? But well, that's ten yeah, makes that... a difference. It really does, and that's the problem. I think in this case, because when the expectations are high preseason like they were, you've got the two Bryces back this year. You expect you know them to be dominant on both sides of the ball, and we saw rather inconsistent play from each of them. But honestly, if you're in the ACC title game, you get a shot at Clemson. That's all you can really ask for if you're any team in that in that conference, not named Clemson. Yeah, it, honestly, like nine wins is something that we could have. I feel like it's kind of what I was thinking preseason. It's mm-hmm. more of just how it happened. Now now that we see how, you know, good or largely not good each team on the schedule was, yeah. they they could have done a, a bit more. Yeah. Um I mean, pretty much outside of Notre Dame. Like I don't I don't think there's a game you you really could have expected them to lose. Right. Um but that's why we that's why we played the games. That is why we play. Who is your most impressive? I had to go with Ohio State. Um, Just Michigan's playing well. They've got basically all the juice they could possibly have coming into this game. They're at home (laughs) and just get the doors blown off. I mean, 56 points. If this was a bad day for the Ohio State defense, then man, oh, man, it must be nice to be them because 27 points and forcing a couple turnovers is, is pretty darn good, especially in modern college football. Um, J.K. Dobbins looked like a stud. Justin Fields played well. Chase Young will be the number one pick, so long as the the Bengals or the Dolphins, whomever gets the pick, isn't isn't dumb and reaches for a quarterback. Um, it's giving him a lot of credit. It is, but that's that's my most impressive this week, Ohio State. 
Going okay. real, real on a limb there. Okay. Um, I've, I've got a couple least impressive. Um, cut, couple couple teams cut from the same cloth. Mm. Um, obviously, you got to start off with A&M. Yep. Uh, just after talking shit all offseason, um, SEC media days about last year's seven overtime epic, and then just defensive performance was lackluster, but going up against an LSU defense that has been suspect for a lot of the year, you're Kyle Mond, you go 10 for 30 with three picks, not even throw for 100 yards. Yep. Like, Jimbo should, wa- Jimbo should walk home. Um, and then... My other one is New Texas A&M because for some reason people keep trying to rank them even though they've beaten nobody and that Thank is God. Iowa State. Yeah. <laughs> they are they are 7 and 5 and still getting multiple top 25 votes. Um just a, a lackluster loss to end the season to Kansas State. Um they they've beaten Texas and yeah people are idiots because they think that still means something but like we've we've been on them since week one like you struggled out of the gate to beat northern iowa yeah you you probably ruined a marriage um and that absolutely (laughs) ruined a marriage (laughs) um and then that like that that really hasn't improved over the course of the season they had had close losses if you want to give moral victory points they had closer losses than a&m has um to the likes of Iowa and Oklahoma, but like the 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 time the time to get out of Ames, I would say, would be now for Matt Campbell because you don't want to risk yeah. another underachieving season after this. And I think somebody is, is still going to open the checkbook and get him out of there. Um, I mean, there are a lot of jobs are, already open. Yeah, there are jobs opening. Um, not saying he is necessarily the best fit at any of them, but. You know, you've got big jobs. Obviously, Florida State's a huge job. Just mm-hmm. speaking of, in general, what's open, you have SEC jobs opening in Arkansas and Ole Miss um, that you could do a lot worse than a guy like Matt Campbell. But this season, um, I would say, has to go down as a, as a pretty big disappointment. Again, with how rough the Big 12 ended up, there was – definite opportunity for texas that they didn't take advantage of and there's definite opportunity for iowa state that they did not take advantage of yeah i mean coming in iowa state looked to be like that other team that we were we were looking at with texas and oklahoma and all of a sudden they just don't have it i mean they lose in a in an unbelievably boring so on brand game with iowa in the yearly in the Cyhawk, oh, Elastico, and, and then, I mean, from there it was just brutal. Like they never, you can never really get a read on the team. They never really inspired any confidence in you. It, it was lackluster football. It almost felt like uh, Matt Campbell had his foot out the door already this year, and it was just kind of like there to make sure things were okay or whatever before he he left home. But yeah, it. I mean, really. Not what you not what you were looking for out of the the uh, Cyclones. They ex- we expected a lot more out of them this year. Yeah, and that could be the case. That that's been the the excuse we've kind of been using for Jimbo um, with his last season at Florida State before he left to A and M. But looking at what he's done out of the gate, first couple seasons at A and M, where you know if he was kind of phoning it in last year at Florida State, he is going. <laughs> 
and balls to the wall right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty uninspiring. It really but, is. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that turns out to be the case for for Matt Campbell. I definitely think he. I mean, it will be up to him, but I, I think he'll definitely have opportunities to go to more prestigious programs and mm-hmm. you know potentially make a lot more money. But again, like we said in the preseason, it's uh, it would not be cheap if that were the case because he's going to still have a pretty significant buyout. Absolutely. I have seven least impressive teams. Oh, that's holding out on me. Yeah. I'm going to start with arguably <laughs> the greatest play of the weekend, and that was the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss scores late to, to get a chance to tie it, does the dog-pissing celebration, 15-yard penalty, and they miss the extra point to lose. Next thing you know, Matt Luke is gone. So, And Joe Moorhead is safe. And Yeah, and Joe Moorhead is safe. So... One, like, like uh, I think it was Clay Travis tweeted out, the fact that a guy doing a celebration pretending to be the bulldog pissing on a fire hydrant or whatever saved and ended a job is going to be the greatest 30 for 30 that ESPN yeah. has ever produced. I'd, yeah, I can't wait to watch that. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm in the camp of that shouldn't be a penalty. And Yes. And, and second of all, I, I, can, I can see you don't fully agree with me, but... Yeah, <laughs> you know it's going to be a penalty is my fault, my problem. Like, I, I don't think it should be a penalty personally, but you know, you know that it's going to be a penalty and that you've got a college kicker. And college kickers, time and time again, tell us what, Brian? That they I mean, suck. Yeah, I mean, even pro kickers. All um, kickers. All, all kickers are bad. Like, Ninja's got it right. Like, if I was if I was a kicker, I just would make all of my kicks. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really that simple. It is that simple. And I'm shocked nobody's thought of that before. But I mean, that that's that's still like a pretty good outcome for. I don't, I don't even know who Ole Miss Ole Miss's kicker is, but he is completely off the hook for still missing what is a chip shot. Yeah, like it's we're not talking it's about still a thirty-seven NFL. yarder. Yeah, we're not talking about. An NFL extra point that got put like the Bears a couple weeks ago Shout when they're absolute morons and ended up with what was close to a fifty yarder. Like <laughs> still a very, very makeable field goal um, if you don't go to Alabama. But that's another thing I forgot to talk about. Yeah, uh, but like no, nobody's going to remember that because everybody's just going to associate it with the dog piss celebration, which is again just absolutely hilarious. The the greatest, I mean, minus the head coach, the greatest staff ever assembled at Ole Miss is going to be no more with Rich Rod and Mike McIntyre on both sides of the ball, just leading star an, power. Absolute, an absolutely mediocre team. <laughs> there was more star power in the coaching box than there was yeah. on the field. Uh, we'll move on to my next least impressive. That would be your Illinois fighting Illini laying an egg and losing by 19 to Northwestern. Um, Northwestern's only Big Ten win this season. They pulled the exact opposite of last season where they rattled off all those wins after opening with the loss. Northwestern was terrible this year, and Illinois looked good. They were on a winning streak. They were playing well, and they just figure out a way to blow it on the last home game of the year. Uh, have fun at whatever bowl they get. The next team even, I've got. Even interject really quick. Yeah. Even, even so, 
wildly successful season for Illinois. Massively and successful. The, uh, the, the positive vibes just kept coming for Northwestern because they finally got rid of Mick McCall and, like... Scored points. Northwestern Twitter rejoiced. The, All seven the, of the them. The celebration that, well, the, the memes of, like... Soviet statues falling <laughs> yeah. um, at the at the end of the Cold War it just had me dying, um, and yeah, like who, there there is absolutely no guarantee that they will not fuck up the ensuing hire and bring back you know like which I would just fall on the floor laughing if they just brought back like Mike DeBoard out of retirement, but it's probably a positive step. Um, j- just in anything. Any any coach firing like coach firing is a half measure. What also matters is that you have to nail the ensuing hire, mm-hmm. um, even for a coordinator position. So what Northwestern does here will be very important for you know Hunter Johnson's sanity and if they can you know actually use the talent they have on offense. But I would surmise that they can't do any worse. I would have to agree. I mean. <laughs> It can't get worse. It really can't. I, I, I shudder at the thought. I do as well. Uh, next up, the Fighting Manny D.I., Ma- Miami, losing by double digits to Duke to close the year. They still are 6-6. Six and six. Let's not forget this. They are 6-6, six and six, but they lost Everyone Duke. in the ACC is like 6-6, six and six, except for Georgia Tech. And Duke. Duke's 5-7. Yeah. and seven. They lost to, And they lost to both teams, by the way. Miami lost to both teams. That's true. Um... I don't know what the hell is going on in Miami. I I don't know how you can feel confident about this team in any way, shape, or form. It'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason because that will be the tell. And I think, honestly, another six and six year and he's fired. Like, it has to be results next year. So, on the one hand, it is a hell of a finesse to lose to those two teams and FIU and still make a bowl. That's pretty incredible. Um, but at the same time, I I don't think, like, I didn't expect a ton from Miami at the beginning of the year to begin with. Um, this is obviously lower than I would have expected. But, I mean, you, you, can, you can honestly include, like, the entire ACC in this segment for least impressive on a season-long scale. Yeah. Um, congratulations, you are the new... Pac-12 in basketball. Exactly. Um, because, like, if there was an NCAA tournament, Clemson would be the only one sniffing a bid. They're, they're, they're just tough to look at. Like, And the, and the fact that he doesn't even give Tate Martell any run at quarterback, like throwing the ball at least. I mean, your team is a shit show. Like, just put the guy in that people want to see. It can't be worse. I mean, I'm just taking that as an even more brutal own against Tathan Martell. It's like you can you understand like you're not going to beat out Justin Fields, whatever. He he's an otherworldly talent, but you go to a team that has lost to the aforementioned three teams, and you still can't even see the field, and your your quarterback play is absolutely nothing to write home about. I am taking that as a clear indication that even you are not good enough to see the field, and I am just laughing all the way home. It's not a good look, that's for sure. I mean, no. just, I think he's got to transfer again, to be honest with you, but we shall see what he does. I mean, the, still my favorite graphic of the year was Fox Sports putting his stats up next to Fields. <laughs> yes. 
um, and Burrow. <laughs> like Just so unnecessary, but so Ohio awesome. State quarterbacks, yeah. Good times. Uh, next is Maryland, the aforementioned Terps. What started as such a promising, high-powered offensive season, they were scoring 70 points a game through three weeks. Not anymore. They lose to Michigan State to close the year, finish 3-9. and nine. I had... I had an over four win ticket this year on Maryland. That was as good as cashed. Must have been feeling great after two weeks. (laughs) That was feeling good as cashed by early October. Here we are sitting at three and nine. Um, I mean, everything went wrong for this team. Yeah, almost (laughs) just throw Michigan State in there for barely winning this game. Right. They needed um, a Matt Co- but, Coughlin field goal with 33 seconds left, and that dude has been <laughs> way less than uh, stellar this season, too. Yes. Also a college kicker. Um, yeah, so it is, it is nice to be in the uh, the good part of the Big Ten East for a change and not just the deplorable <laughs> basements. Yeah, um, leave that yeah, to gets, uh, there's, a, there's a large drop-off, that's for sure. Uh, the last three I'll run through very quickly because they're all pretty much the same. Houston finishes 4-8, and eight, no semblance of defense, and their quarterback decided to redshirt midseason. <laughs> like, that's a tough, tough, tough look. Arizona 4-8 and eight with Khalil Tate, who's arguably one of the most talented co- quarterbacks in all of college football. Even Kevin Sumlin found a way to make him less good. And Army... Talk about a monumental disappointment this season. Five and seven heading into the Navy game. It's a must win to get into a bowl game, which I don't even know if they will, if they win the game. Um, this is a team that Wait, had... They, they play, they've played 12 games already? Yep. Navy's 13. Ah, it's every, a nice little cheat code. Yeah. Every year, Navy's the 13th game of the year. Um, Wait, I could have sworn I saw Navy only played 11 games so far. Because Navy's in Navy a conference. Did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That um, checks out. Army was getting preseason votes in the top 25, which were deserved, in my opinion. They were deserved. They had shown more than Nebraska had. Now, (laughs) they get just smoked throughout the season. They lose a lot of games they shouldn't have. For as good as Jeff Munkin has been at West Point, this year was not good whatsoever. It was a huge step back, in my opinion, and now they've got a mountain to climb against a good Navy team. Let me add, some people were... Oh, and they almost saying, beat Michigan. Oh, well, I was going to say, some people were saying if they beat Michigan, would they, they run, run to the, the playoff and make the playoffs? That game, that game changed seemed, everything. Seemed, seemed a little uh, too good to be true. Uh, the, only thing I'll, the only thing I'll add to that group is technically this counts as a redshirt season for Coach Dana at Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, yeah. you know, Derek King. Could, couldn't have seen that come in. So, again, Tulane only ended up like 6 and 6. Still so mad about that game. Um, that 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 killed me. Um, and yeah, Kevin Sumlin. Who could have seen it coming? Not us. Never Not us. us. My <laughs> favorite guy. I, I, what are we going like, to do when Kevin Sumlin gets fired and doesn't get another know. head coaching job? He he's gonna uh, he's just gonna keep going down the rungs. Um, like he he'll. Can we get Charlie Strong as his D coordinator? Oh no! I did you see? Uh, Fornelli's conspiracy theory today. Uh oh. No, but, like everything was everything was lining up uh, for Urban to get the whole band back together at USC, including Chuck Strong as oh, his D God. coordinator. Uh, um, I believe it was uh, Matt Luke who used to run his offense. Um, but 
Yeah, kind of the, with with the whole with the whole Clay Helton shit that's going on. Um, we can talk a little coaching carousel for a second, but yeah. that that fucking skis ball, Ari Abraham or whatever, um, mm-hmm. who still will not admit he was wrong about Kawhi is. I I hope like tomorrow USC just announces an extension for Clay Helton. Like I do I do not I do not want them to delay it by a couple of days just to end up firing him anyway because I saw that report. I saw the the SI guy also reporting that and then people refuting it, um, saying talking to USC people and they're steamed. Um, if this all ends like after the bowl game with Clay Helton getting fired anyway, like what a tease. Yeah. Like you could have, it could have just, I mean, I, I understand you don't want like a lame duck or anything, but if you, if you're just putting off the inevitable, Still. that's going to happen this year. And yeah. like saving this scumbag from further embarrassment. That's upsetting to me. Um, I, it, I it have all makes sense. Cause it's a new AD. Helton has been less, yeah. you know, way underachieving throughout. There are a lot of good names out there that they can go higher if they're interested, which is a whole nother story. But I, as, as someone who knows some people that have once spread a false coaching fire report, um, I would uh, like to see this person get blown up for it. I, yes, I, I mean, out of between, between the the two of us, me and this kid, I have successfully broken coaching news before. Bingo. Um, so, and then may or may not have gotten threats from Kevin Wilson because of it, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have no personal relationship with Clay Helton. I love him solely because Notre Dame has not won consistently or like this much against USC in quite some time. Thanks to Pete Carroll yep. and others. Um, but I just really want this kid to be wrong. So bad. Yeah. So bad. Uh, <laughs> an unhealthy level an extension would be so poetic i <laughs> imagine I, they I, don't even want to extend him but they just want to keep him and all of a like, sudden they see this and they're like you know a two-year extension done just like i need like i need air to breathe i need that so bad like they yeah they they need to play play up in their bowl game beat a team they're better that is higher ranked than them who clearly doesn't give a shit mm-hmm. and then parlay that and do an extension for clay health. Like basically Texas last year, uh, I'm, I'm getting excited just <laughs> thinking about it. That's all we need. We're not asking um, too much. Uh, yes, I presume no changes in the, uh, college football playoff rankings. We will, we'll have to see if uh, championship week gives us, any sort of chaos because largely that's been missing. Um, yeah. The, the, the biggest upsets have been two teams that are outside the top four already. Oregon last week, um, Alabama this week, who, I mean, shouldn't have been as close as they were anyway, but I think, I think I've beat that horse to death already. Um, so let's talk about the other conference championships. We, we broke down the, the American already, um, but Clemson, Virginia, and the ACC. It's Clemson. I'd say the closest <laughs> thing to a foregone conclusion. Yeah, Clemson wins big. I mean, this is their chance to basically look impressive for the first time all year, or at least on a national stage, because no one's paid attention to the ACC because it's been so bad. This is their time. 
the uh, the really the only Clemson game anyone I feel like or like the most people paid attention to was North Carolina, and that's that's something that's stuck in everyone's minds, even as Clemson runs roughshod over inferior opponents, and Dabo tries so so desperately to play the nobody believes in us card, even though they have been in the top four for the entire year, and have like it is the defending champs and the returning quarterback, and it is it is mind boggling, like. He 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 try he he tries so hard to be unlikable. Like you, this is a guy who he's saving has, his ass off right now. He's he's ended Alabama's reign of terror, and then he says shit like after he wins the national championship, like oh, who could have thought this for little old Clemson? Like, dude, well, be be, <laughs> be self aware for one second. He he rails harder than anyone against paying players. Um, uh, yeah, he he just he sucks. He sucks so hard. But they are they're going to win this game, and I don't think yep. it will be particularly close. Getting greater than they are they're giving uh, greater than four touchdowns right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think the line will shrink that much, um, if if at all. Um, but yeah, it's it would it would take an unmitigated disaster. Um, basically, like Clemson. If Clemson's first stringers all contract the bubonic plague, Virginia might have a chance. But I would say that is unlikely. I'm going to agree because I don't even think that's hyperbole because it's just such a difference. It's just such a difference between the two teams. I mean, that, that's all that needs to be said at this point. I would I would love to see Dabo eat shit, but that's well, – we'll, ha- we'll, we'll have to wait to the playoffs probably. It'll take a lot. Um, Big 12 – Good rematch of the uh, 28-3 collapse, Baylor-Oklahoma. Um, what are you expecting here? Uh, I think Oklahoma is going to try and control the clock like they did. Obviously not to the same level they did in the second half of this game when they first played. But certainly they know the quick strike ability of Baylor's offense and it's going to be more it's going to be like a, a Bears defense um, a Chicago Bears defense I should say of keeping in front of you because they got burned deep so many times just so many times and I think it's going to be a lot of Jalen Hurts a lot of Kennedy Brooks a lot of jet sweeps a lot of running the ball melt the clock keep that defense on the field I think Oklahoma wins this game yeah it uh I, I think they were a bit shell-shocked uh the first game with how Baylor came out Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were thinking a little bit of the F word in their heads because um, to that point, Baylor hadn't hadn't put together too much um, in in the name of impressive wins. Obviously, don't think that'll happen this time. They they've seen exactly what they can do. Um, I think this will be closer to a typical Oklahoma Texas or Bedlam game. Where Oklahoma just stays one to two scores ahead um, and Baylor is not able to get enough stops, mm-hmm. which if you're a Baylor Bears fan, probably preferable to, you know, collapsing up 28, three um, still not great, but no matter what happens, you, you still have to be impressed by the job that Matt rule has done. Yeah. Um, basically like this is essentially Scott Frost at central Florida but at a power five school, yeah. Um, the the turnaround put together, um, very rough first year. Um, obviously, extenuating circumstances that had almost nothing to do with stuff happening on the field. Get to a bowl game and then 
this playing for a, a big 12 championship. And I mean, at, at one time we're in the conversation, even for, you know, playoff contention, which is no small feat. So great season, great story, but Lincoln Riley's going to add it. Yep. This is his time to shine. This is what Lincoln Riley's there for. Yeah. Um, another rematch in the big 10 title game, Ohio state, Wisconsin was not very close the first time. Will this be any different? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think Jack Cohen gave me a little bit of hope. Granted, it's against a less lesser than Minnesota defense, but he's going to have to play a perfect game. Jonathan Taylor's really going to have to get going, and Wisconsin's defense going to need to make plays. They're going to need to be opportunistic. They're going to need to force some fumbles, something. I mean, Justin Fields has been prone to fumbles this year. It's just something that's happened, whether it's a hand injury or whatever's going on. Um, and Dobbins has been a monster. If you can contain him, you got to pick one guy. Who do you want to contain? And then either outscore the other or th- that's the game right there. So personally, I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at the run game and, and hope to God their secondary can do it because if they can control the clock and maybe force a couple turnovers through the air – that's where they have a chance. I still think Ohio State wins by double digits, but it's. I think it's going to be a different style we'll see from Wisconsin. It's not going to be as passive, at least defensively. Yeah, I, I mean, Ohio State's going to win this game because of their front four, um, led by Chase Young. Because when when there is a talent disparity this great like there is, Wisconsin, the, the main way Wisconsin is going to be able to stay in the game is if they just extend drives and really slow the game down as mm-hmm. much as possible. But like we saw in the first time these two teams played, it's very hard to do that when you're running into a brick wall every time. Right. Um, I Obviously, they're going to have to get a little more creative um, in the passing game, try to attack Ohio State secondary a little bit because if there is a weak link to Ohio State's defense, it would be that, but you're comparing it to, you know, one of the best units in the country. So, I mean, it's not like the secondary is terrible. You're just likely to have more success. But we're talking about Wisconsin having to throw the ball, you know, 30-plus times. That's not what they do well. So it's it's just the, the clash of styles is just favoring Ohio State so heavily. And if it gets into a track meet like it is liable to do – with Ohio State this year, I mean, Wisconsin's just not going to be able to keep up. Yeah, I mean, that's that's game right there. If it, if it turns into a you score, I score, you score thing that, that we kind of saw with Michigan State earlier this year, that's going to be ball game pretty quick. Yeah. Um, Pac-12, Utah still, still holding on to uh, the playoff hopes. A lot of people wrote them off last week after they were down uh, 7-0 to Mel Tucker. <laughs> And then outscored them 45-8 the rest of the way to cover, which is wonderful. Um, yeah, best, best coaching hire in the Pac-12 right there. Bingo. Um, Oregon lost the Fighting Herms, so they're they're out of playoff contention at this point, but they can play spoiler here and, I mean, get Oregon football back to where they are used to being. What are you, what are you expecting here? I had written down preseason that I was, it was going to be Oregon, Utah. And then I changed my mind last second, right as we started recording, scratch it out and put USC. I still regret it. So to make up, for, to right the wrong, I'm going to go with Utah. Zach Moss is 
I think, the best player in this entire game. I think he's better than Justin Herbert is. I think Utah's got a an improved defense throughout the season. Their offense is explosive, and Herbert just hasn't been as crisp as we would like to see all season. Now, he very easily could just turn it on and light it up in this game. I think it's a, a pretty much a toss-up, in my opinion. I don't, I don't believe that six-point spread. I think it's really close to a pick in this game, but I'm going to take Utah on a close one. I mean, Tyler Huntley might have more of a case than Justin Herbert. Um, he's yeah. been he's been great for most of the year, and I mean, to to your preseason points, you know, USC is the one team to beat Utah this year. So maybe you're just so close. Had, had an had an early inkling about that. I just you know um, but, I believe in Clay too much, <laughs> but I, uh, I I like Utah here as well. I'm I'm thinking it'll be a, it'll be a pretty close game, probably coming down to a field goal. Um, whether that's a make by Utah or miss by Oregon, who's to say? But it has one of those feels um, back when, you know, a field goal would ruin Oregon's season every year um, from Stanford or the like. Um, I'm, I'm expecting that to happen here. I, I like Justin Herbert as a pro prospect. Um, I think at times he is a little underwhelming this year, and I think Utah as a whole is a lot more talented than people give them credit for, even yeah. as – you know, a top five, top six team in America. Um, and I, I think that'll show. Agreed. Agreed. All right. One to go. Um, LSU, Georgia. The big one. Yeah. I I think it's got to be LSU. I think it's going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game than we're used to in the SEC title. I just, I, I find it hard to pick against Joe Burrow right now. And Edward Solaire has quickly come on as one of the better running backs in the entire country. Georgia's offense hasn't been too great. DeAndre Swift is hurt, I believe, or he was hurt in the last game. I'm going to take LSU. I think it's going to be a one-score game, but I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring, something like 34-31. Yeah, I, I think LSU is probably in regardless, um, barring – a blowout of otherworldly proportions, but I, I would have to agree. I think this will skew towards more of an offensive game. Um, even though Georgia does have a great defense, Alabama's offense really hasn't cared no matter who they've played this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would expect that to continue. Um, yeah. Edwards Hilaire has, uh, has really come into his own over the last couple of weeks to the point where some people are, even calling him the best running back in the country, which I don't agree with, but it's tough, tough argument to make. The, that is the ultimate people are saying. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I think that'll, that'll be effective. And it's kind of like you're saying with, uh, with Notre Dame earlier this year, how in the trenches they were able to hold their own against Georgia. And that, that was really something we didn't expect. I think LSU will be able to do the same certainly offensively to get the run game going. And I mean, I, I think they will, they will not be as dominant as last week, obviously. Um, but I think they will do a better job against Georgia's offense than a lot of people would expect given how they've played for the season as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, I think a score in the thirties is, is still the most likely result. Um, but yeah, like I would have to like coach out here as well. Who would have thought we'd be saying that? You know, a year or two, or I guess a year ago even, but just a couple of years ago, who would have thought we'd say Coach O in a big game? 
Not me. Not interim. Not me. Coach O. Yeah. Head, head coach O. Yeah. Permanent. Um, yeah, the uh, we, saw, we talked about Clay Helton a little bit. Um, Matt Luke, obviously gone um, because, again, someone celebrated a touchdown by my man pissing like a dog. Um, Chris Peterson. Yeah. The, uh, the big one today actually um stepping down at washington to take on an advisory role um after the bull game who knows what that will entail eventually um you would think a little more prestige than you know whatever butch jones was doing at alabama (laughs) you'd hope (laughs) um but jimmy blake uh who's been running the defense extremely well um is going to take over as head coach and I mean, it'll be very interesting to see what Washington football does. Um, I mean, Peterson took them to new heights, college football playoff appearance, um, the expectation of contention for a Pac-12 championship every year, although obviously they fell short this season despite um, lofty preseason expectations. I think this um, was the first year of his tenure that he didn't have Jake Browning at quarterback as well. Yeah. Just – crazy how much success those two had together it's true that's true um yeah i mean jacob eason's still still going to get his name called in the nfl draft um but yeah hometown kid didn't didn't have a ton of success on the field this year but the the main concern anytime you're you're promoting a coordinator from within is with the added responsibilities is his unit of choice going to suffer and i mean that's that's something that'll will remain to be seen i i don't know if he'll immediately give up the play calling duties and overall architecture of the defense i feel like new head coaches who are just promoted from coordinator are often very loath to do that um so i mean who, who knows if there will there will be a, a brief step back but he he definitely has earned the opportunity with what he's been able to do but I don't know if he'll be able to make it a, a fully seamless transition um, from Chris Peterson. Yeah, I mean, this is, the, this is the change in the entire country to watch. Eaton, I think regardless of what happens at any of these other schools, um, you know, obviously if Clay Helton is in fact gone and they grab someone like Urban Meyer or Bob Stoops or somebody big, I'm just throwing out big names. I don't know who exactly they would go for or get, but that would obviously overtake this, but this is still going to be the most intriguing to watch because of the fact that they did it so quickly and so abruptly. And, uh, there was no real sign, um, that it was even going to happen. So this clearly must have been either in the works or been something that had been said behind closed doors in the past, because you'd think with how well Washington's defense has been over the past few years, that a head coaching job would have had to come along at least a couple decent opportunities um you know obviously you're gonna want to coach or take over the head job at where you're at you know look at mike hopkins holding out for so long at syracuse if we're gonna go kind of full circle basketball back to washington for football brent fennable is at clemson same thing yeah um but yeah I, i think the big difference between washington and any other job that's popping open is that largely washington has been good Mm-hmm. And these schools where coaching jobs are coming open have not, not been good. Uh, so that's pretty much the big difference right there. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really hopeful just in the Cajun carousel as a whole that a lot of schools just get weird with it. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we plucked Herm Edwards out of ESPN. Somebody give Rex John Ryan Fox. a call. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, for the content, but that's not, that's not weird enough. Um, Rex Ryan would be unbelievable. Yeah. Get, get Rex Ryan in the SEC. That would, At Arkansas. That would be amazing. Yeah. Take yeah, over. It would be like, like similar body shape as uh, as Brett Bielema. Yep, People exactly. won't even notice the difference. Exactly. Bert is back. Yeah. In a, in a big way. Emphasis on big. Yep. Um, okay. So that's about all I had for the, the college football portion. Yeah. Um, let's run through some uh, most and least impressive college basketball feast week. It's crazy. A lot of stuff, lot of stuff happens. Yeah. Games occurred. Lots, lots of things happen. Um, I mean, it's hard not to pick Michigan, right? I don't think you can pick anyone but Michigan. You can pick yeah, other I teams mean, behind them, but yeah, Michigan and Dayton were, I mean, the, yeah, the head and shoulders winners of, of Feast Week. Yeah, um, we'll start with Michigan. Battle for Atlantis, the most loaded field of all the preseason. I don't know why they call them preseason tournament. Early season tournaments is what they should be called. Yeah, um, pre, like it's pre-conference season. But right, that's, that's it. Like, these games still count. Yeah, um, take down North Carolina and Gonzaga in back-to-back days. Two top that's convincingly. Ten, yeah, two top ten wins. I mean, they shot the lights out literally and figuratively. Like the island, the great Grand Paradise Island, whatever island it is in the Bahamas, literally lost power. They'd use generators to run the arena. Um, they they just shot the ball incredibly well. Everyone on that team, it seems, step up, stepped up when they needed to. Even foul trouble didn't stop this team. And here they are getting rewarded with the number four ranking, making the highest jump in the history of the AP poll from unranked. And I think the maybe the most intriguing thing is like how much the media all, already like loves Juwan Howard. Yeah. Because a lot of times these new coaching situations, you'll have – a lot of cynics um, coming out of the woodwork being like, well, he's not win- like he's winning with Beeline's players, which right. is what is happening here. Like the cupboard was absolutely not bare, but I have seen more than a few like media members coming to his defense, even though that is a refrain they will say about just about any new coach mm-hmm. um, excelling at a, a new job. Um, so that's, that's a little surprising for me, but I mean, in, in terms of the, the culture he's creating, it is, a, a very good continuation of beeline era basketball. And I mean, he's, he's clearly keeping it loose and the, the North Carolina game, I still didn't fully take that as, you know, an indication that Michigan was good because in the concerns we've had about North Carolina being too reliant on Cole Anthony mm-hmm. and being pretty unproven outside of that. Um, but Obviously, once you once you issue a beat down to my zags, I have to take notice, um, and that's that. That's the thing with the Big Ten this year because you know the the number one team in the country preseason. We can talk about in a sec. Michigan State struggling out of the gates, and then you've got Ohio State and Michigan looking even better than people had projected them to be in the preseason, and that's um, annoying. It is. I will say. It is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, you just 
Michigan's resume early in the season, though, has just been wildly impressive. The way they did it in these wins, yes, they're shooting incredibly efficiently. They're still playing really good defense. Uh, John Teske is looking like one of the premier big men in the entire country on both ends of the floor. Like, this is... Man, don't show this to Purdue fans because they've had like seven footers for the last two decades, and none of them, maybe Robbie Hummels, has been close to what this is. Uh, Robbie Hummels, not seven feet. Get out of he's, town. He's he's tall. Ja- That's it. Jawan ja- ja- Johnson was the the tall guy in those teams. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, Purdue is the king of like I just Soft think of AJ. I I just think of AJ Hammonds putting up like yes. thirty and fifteen and a thirty five point loss. Um, that's, that, that's one of the biggest games occur, but yeah. Um, I mean, Iowa State, not a bad one either. Yeah. Um, but obviously when you beat two top 10 teams right after that, that kind of gets swept under the rug. And that was like an otherworldly performance from Halliburton for the Cyclones. And it really didn't matter. Um, the guards in college basketball this year are freaking loaded. There are so many good guards this season. And yeah, Halliburton's a guy that won. I mean, we talked about him obviously preseason because we're us and we know our stuff. But like nationally, he was going so under the radar, and he was averaging twelve assists a game. Yeah, I mean there there are that the narrative early in the seasons are no great teams. There are certainly countless great players. Yeah, that that is not changed. Um, we're we're still kind of waiting for the most part for for dominant teams to emerge. Um, but mainly that just means the teams that we thought and most of America thought were going to be at the top of the polls haven't been dominant. But you take a team like Michigan, they absolutely have been. Um, so yeah. they're they're gonna get they're gonna get an early season bump from this. Obviously, championships are not won in November outside of whatever tournament you're playing in well, at that time. Uh, the but, last two years they have been. The last two Battle for Atlantis winners going on to win the national title. So, if you're reading this, listening to this, Michigan's going to win the title. I will take the field. I will also take the field. <laughs> so. um, but yeah, I mean, your point is very well said because people want to say there are no great teams. I think it's still, like you said, yet to be seen because it's just the teams we expected to be great aren't performing at that level. I mean, Michigan State is a Malik Hall 17-point second half explosion away from being uh, being a three-loss team through November. I mean, it, it they're very close to that level, but we still have, what, 17 or 18 undefeated teams in the country? Yeah, sure, some of them are like Delaware and, uh, you know, teams like Northern Iowa and Liberty. Indiana. Indiana, yes. I, I Very quietly, Indiana has, has done this. I mean, but that's, that is one of those, like, 7 and note teams that is just – their best win is still like Louisiana Tech. So yeah, not Florida a terrible State, team though. Florida State this week will be a, uh, yeah. a good test. That'll be well, it'll be tonight when you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, speaking of great scene, now we get Louisville, Michigan. Yeah, top five matchup um, that has a lot more juice than it did a week ago. So you got the number one team in the country and an undefeated, newly top five team current front runner for the national championship based on the last couple of battle for Atlantis's yep. apparently. Yep. Or is it battles for Atlantis? Ba- probably battles battle. for Atlantis. I don't know. Ba- battle for Atlanta. Um, battle five. It's, def- Atlantis. it's definitely battles for Atlantis. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Dayton, now that the grammar's out of the way. 
again, <laughs> sound off, sound off below with your grammar takes. Um, Dayton, yeah, the uh, moral victory. They're they're getting the the Maui bump. Um, they are, and it was, it was a very very impressive wall to wall opening win over um, CTC and Georgia, who have Anthony Edwards and still. The rest of the roster is still in question, but Dayton was dominant as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, kicked it up a notch over a Virginia Tech team that just beat Michigan State and then kept it rolling against Kansas in what was, I mean, correctly described by a lot of people as an instant classic. Yeah. Like, that is one of the better games you're going to see, especially this early in the season in, in college basketball, where a lot of teams are still pretty sloppy and figuring it out. They looked very sharp um, for the duration of the tournament. And, I mean, to Kansas' credit, they they were very sharp in the championship game, too, um, really matching Dayton blow for blow. But Dayton's got some guys. Like, it's not, just, it's not just Obi Toppin. It's a, it's a very well-balanced team. He just happens to be absolute dynamite on the court and very often the best player on it. Yeah, I mean, it's because he does everything. He does literally everything for this team. And it's not even like an overpowering way where it's, you know, all one-on-one ball for him. He he passes out of double teams well, which is something that's tough, even though he's not huge. He's still a big man, or at least plays it for Dayton. He passes the ball really well out of double teams. He blocks shots. He rebounds. He's the leading scorer by a pretty good margin. He's shooting 50 freaking percent from three, and he takes quite a few a game. I mean... There's very little this guy can't do. And it helps when you got a guard like Jalen Crutcher as well to kind of work the inside out with, who leads the team in assists with nearly seven and took the huge shot to send the game to overtime against Kansas. So they've got some guys. The A-10 is going to be really good this year. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, Dayton, definitely an impressive team. Didn't expect it. Maybe a little bit of an easier run. I mean, definitely an easier run than they could have had, but maybe a little bit oh, yeah. easier considering I don't think Virginia Tech is that good a team. Um, no, they had they had they had their good moment in the sun um, before. And Michigan they fell State back had what like twenty two turnovers and half their team in foul. I mean, there were there were a lot of things that contributed, but at the end of the game, Virginia Tech won. I mean, be the first to tell you, Michigan State under Izzo the last few seasons always. Uh, near the bottom of the Big Ten, if not the worst, in uh, turnovers per game. Yeah. But, yeah, um, Virginia Tech stopped, I guess, punching above its level. Um, Pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, top, like, Toppin's not Zion, but he still, like, there were there were a handful of plays from Maui where, like, he had the ball, it finished with a dunk, and I was shocked how he got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, in the championship game, shooting the three, not even waiting to see if it went in before talking shit to the Kansas bench. Just incredible move. Always a great move when it goes in. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the Maui bump, man. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be for I him mean, for yeah. National Player of the Year for Dayton in general. I don't know what it's going to be, but someone's getting that Maui bump. I mean, Kansas won the tournament, and it is a thousand percent not dumb. That's getting the Maui bump. We haven't. We have only talked about Kansas because they touched Dayton in their because game. they they beat the most impressive thing Kansas has done this year is beat Dayton. Yeah. Um, so I stick by bully, that. Bully for them. I mean, it's accurate. Yeah. Uh, the only other team and most impressive I had was Maryland. 
they beat Marquette pretty handily yeah. and just shut down Marcus Howard after he exploded for about a billion points in two games. Um, I don't want to get on a Marcus Howard rant because it's going to be very easy for me, and then once I start, I can't stop. But basically, I think – I don't know that Maryland's playing the best ball they can, and I know a lot of Terp fans don't like Turgeon, and I do agree that he is kind of holding this team back, specifically in terms of offensive sets, but I think he finally got their starting five right where they're going to be their most productive. And it showed, obviously, with the win. And that, that's not nothing. We're, again, talking about Turgeon, so it's a little bit of baby steps. Yeah. But – I know a lot of people, yourself included, were expecting Maryland to be the highly ranked Big Ten team that underachieved. And it is, I mean, it is only now just December, so plenty of time for that to happen. But so far, so good. Um, And obviously, overall, weaker field um, in Orlando compared to Maui, but... They they've got they've got people to fill all of the roles. Um, like we, we talked about, kind of in the preseason, the ultimate glue guy, Daryl Marcel, and that's you. You have a guy like that who can shut down Marcus Howard. That's going to win you a lot of games. Um, and he, I mean, he he's a guy who who isn't even always in the starting lineup. Um, but th- that's just kind of indicative of the sophomore class that they have, all the talent there, and. I mean, just the talent on the roster. It's, yeah, it, it really is like how much will Mark Turgeon hold them back? Right. It really Very is. Much. I mean, it's that plus when will Anthony Cohen disappear? Because he does. And that's my right with Marcus short. Howard is they both kind of disappear in some, some games where you just need, if they could, I don't need the 40 or 50 point explosions. All I need is a consistent production like if you're gonna have an off game at least get me 14 or 15 points you know i don't need yeah. the variance of like i'm gonna shoot one of 11 and i'm a 95 percent career free throw shooter but i'm gonna go two for four from the line that day and only score six points and to be fair to marcus howard it is still going to be infinitely harder for him this year yeah because the hauser is just up and left mm-hmm. um so that not not a lot around him but Although he yeah. did get twenty seven from Brandon Bailey, Brandon Bailey, and twenty one from Sakar Anum in that game, so it's not like there's nobody else scoring. But I completely agree with your point that those guys are more defensive minded. Bailey is still raw, so he can develop. But now all of a sudden, it's a Marcus Howard rant. But here we are. There are there are, there are players on Marquette basketball who can score points. There but are. It's, it's yeah. It's it's definitely still a little bit of a different feel. Significantly, and then I mean Maryland's got a decently tough run here notre dame illinois at penn state at seton hall bryant and then indiana i mean that's take out bryant and that's a pretty tough six game stretch i mean probably probably take out indiana too let's let's not get carried away we'll we'll see we will see you're undefeated through seven games and can't crack the top 25 in ken palm it is concerning um yeah, currently. Well, now I'm now I'm just falling down a Ken Palm rabbit hole. <laughs> it always uh, happens that way. Yeah, strength of schedule right now: three hundred forty-two um, opponent defense. Shout out North Carolina State. <laughs> opponent defense <laughs> de- is dead last right now. So oh boy, very much need to beat Florida State. Um, so come back next week when that doesn't happen. But 
Any any more most impressive teams? Uh, I'm gonna throw Arkansas in there. They haven't really beat anyone of note, but they're I'll still seven and zero, and they're playing top ten defense. So the must bus has yeah. things cooking, and I think they've signed or they got landed their fourth top one hundred recruit already for 2020. So he's really rolling down there. He's off and running. Um, he's he, he's got the memes going as well. Really um, does. Just recreating Every sometimes iconic picture. picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's. He's, he's, he's got what the kids are into, um, winning basketball and, and memes. Yep. So, I mean, sudden, sudden Arkansas for success. Um, I'll just have to see if the football program can hire the equivalent, uh, whoever oh, that is. God. That's Lane Kiffin. Lane, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. That, I mean, that was, the easy, <laughs> that was the easiest comparison in the world. I was hoping, <laughs> was hoping you got there. Um, yeah, so if not Rex Ryan, Lane Ooh, Kiffin. Yeah. Um, I don't have any more most impressive, though. Yeah, least impressive, just Michigan State um, for me. Duke. Yeah. People forget because we, uh, we haven't talked about it yet. But while we were away on our Thanksgiving break, yep. sorry again for not having to share last week. But holidays. Duke, Duke lost at home uh, to Stephen F. Boston as 28 point favorites 29 i believe 29 yeah wow that's that's even tougher Four touchdown 29 favorites 29 point favorites uh to Stephen f austin in basketball uh first time since 2000 i believe yeah, against, against st John's. john's they lost a uh, a home non-conference game um and with that win Stephen f austin has climbed almost into the top 200 but still not <laughs> almost uh it was it was a fun game too i would like to extend my hatred to the acc network because the goddamn paywall and uh acc network extra whatever it's called also way behind the paywall shout out to reddit for helping me get the the stream but i was able to watch that game and like the end i mean i'm just screaming in my house because you don't know whether he gets the layup off or not and you got to wait for the replay and then all of a sudden it's just over and then it comes out a couple days later that coach k quote wasn't feeling well and wasn't oh, at his was best curious. during that during that game so i should have should have found odds in a futures bet on that unbelievable just, as soon as the final buzzer sounded i had, i also had to watch on my phone because my, I, I was already, I was already at home. I was going to be traveling for Thanksgiving, but I was already back in the suburbs preparing. And my father, bless his soul, had to watch re- recorded episodes of Jeopardy on the <laughs> the main TV in the basement. So it's not able to get access there. Oh man! <laughs> so yeah, just a all all around great night uh, for Schadenfreude. Um, yeah. Yeah, things you absolutely hate to see. You do. Uh, I also threw Providence and Georgia on the list of least impressive teams. Providence's most recent win was a four-point road win at Pepperdine. Pepperdine is good this year, at least good enough this year to compete with some teams. They're feisty. They are Lorenzo Romar coach squad, so you know he's going to get only the best and brightest down in Malibu. But my oh my, have the wheels fallen off for Ed Cooley and his club because this was a team – I, I mean, I talked about it a couple times previously, but this is a team that was talking about how Luan Pipkins was the missing piece and they're a Big East title contender and they're a threat to go to the Sweet 16 or beyond, and here we are. <laughs> they are 5-4 and four with some just terrible losses on their schedule. So uh, Providence yeah. certainly 
one of the least impressive. And uh, Georgia, I mean, you have Anthony Edwards, and you just can't figure it out. They struggle throughout the entire tournament of Maui. He puts up a monster second-half performance to still lose by double digits. Yeah, and then basically needing a buzzer beater to take yeah. down Chaminade. I'll come out and say it. Maui is not Tom Crean's tournament. No, it's not. Never, ha- never has been. Even with uh, with better talents um, and the look too. I mean, my God, we tweeted well, it out the, beforehand. I mean, the the looks, the the fits are iconic. We mm-hmm. we still stand a king. We but, do. Like Tom Crean and Maui, like he 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 took a Sweet Sixteen team that would win the Big Ten title, and they lost to Wake Forest and UNLV, and barely beat the worst St. John's team in the past like fifty years. So. You must not have seen think... St. John's this year. Oh, buddy. <laughs> um, they, they at least returned basketball players this year. They did. Like Chris, Chris Mullen year one, the cupboard was, it was oh so, so bare. They were so um, bad. So th- this Georgia team with one better individual piece, but overall less talent was, was not going to happen. But, I mean, bless their, bless their little hearts that they tried. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting year in the SEC. Um I think they're they're going to they're going to steal a game or two that they absolutely shouldn't win against, say Tennessee. Um, but yeah, this this doesn't look like a tournament team, even with Anthony Edwards, which could go down as just a monumental waste. Um, Shout out Johnny Jones, by the way, LSU. I, I will not. <laughs> well, no, it's we're not we're not we're not speaking that evil onto Tom Crean. He, uh, no, Tom Crean's certainly a better coach by all any measure possible. Um, but he just turns into I can't even think of a good analogy. But uh, Michigan when they play Ohio State, basically anywhere, and it, it's ironic because of his brother-in-law. But so I guess it comes full circle there. Uh, to close my thought on Providence, they have lost now to Northwestern, Penn, Long Beach State, and the College of Charleston. Yeah, it's yes. not great. No, no amount of wins can make that Northwestern loss go away. But I mean. Georgia is checking all of the boxes under Tom Crean. Offensive solid, they're playing with great pace, and they are flirting with having a top hundred defense. Um, right now, they are. I mean, at Nick Claxton comes back, so, and they are uh, a significantly yeah, better team. Absolutely, um, but he didn't. I mean, you could you could you could say that for a lot of teams, right? Um, you know, if so and so came back, if again, if the Hauser brothers didn't just up and leave Marquette, yep. I would potentially be a better team um we think you never know um i mean georgetown oh man with the uh with the recent news brutal (laughs) they're coming off a really good 2k classic tournament where they beat texas and they hang on in a tight game with duke with weird like just a weird second half of officiating and offensive games and whatever um come home lose to west miller and unc greensboro who's consistently been one of the better mid-major coaches over the last what three or four years since he's taken the job over <laughs> and then akinjo and leblanc just up and leave yeah and like akinjo was great against duke and yeah. it was like it's kind of one of those games where like he's a you star. look at yeah you look at the pieces that georgetown has um with him mcclung you're at seven you start to talk yourself into you know like we're like we're doing them preseason. Same thing with Providence. Like these these are teams that can compete in the top half of the Big East. Should be NCAA tournament teams. And now that is you know 
largely thrown into question and you wish again that year seven would have stayed at NC State because that would have been a much better team now. But I'm not not sure exactly what happened there. Um, I mean, it it sounds like there could be uh, some either, I mean, program violations or disciplinary reasons or whatever. Right. Um, not getting along with Patrick Ewing, who famously does not take any shit. Yep. Um, but that's that's a huge loss for this program. It's a huge loss for the Big East, too, because... yeah. I, I mean, it's the curse of me because I picked them as my dark horse <laughs> team out of the Big East. It's not over yet, but it does not seem likely without the two of their three best players. Or I guess I'll, I'll put McClung above LeBlanc at this point, but still, two of the best players not having them does not typically help a team. Um, it hurts the Big East, though. I mean, this was a team that a lot of people were expecting to make that jump and to be a you know hovering around the top 25 and be a bubble team in the NCAA tournament. And now you lose them. Providence is having a down year. Now it's all up. Now you just hope to God DePaul can hold on to what they've got cooking. And Butler's quietly undefeated and just broke into the top 25. We'll see what they can do. But it's it's you know you're looking at other areas and other places and hoping to God you can find a couple other NCAA tournament teams. I mean just classic butler every time you try to write them off yep um but yeah i mean georgetown can still be a sleeper in the Big East. they are just a much much deeper sleeper uh than they would have been otherwise yeah um yeah but i mean saw how crazy the last biggie season got um how tight everything was there's no guarantee that it won't be something similar this year um with how some of the teams that were presumed to be near the bottom have played coming out of the gate but as you said, a lot of season to go. Not looking great for Georgetown and Providence right now, but plenty of times you turn it around. Definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's really about watching what happens in the top fifteen ish over these next couple weeks because will like you like we've said will teams emerge? Will those teams we expected preseason really step up and, and take their spot back, or will the teams that have now taken over? like a Virginia who's getting number one votes and despite scoring 46 points against Maine is the number five team in the country. Just Rothstein's Rothstein's a thing of beauty tweets are just trolling me directly (laughs) every time. I'm going to buy you one of those shirts and send it to your house. Please don't. (laughs) I, there was, what else did I see the other day? Oh, there was like some horrendous bars shirts that kfc was promoting with like the black and white comics on the back that were just like oh yeah I, and i like said aloud to myself who would ever wear these these are the ugliest things to ever exist and then i scroll down and i see rothstein pr- promoting his stuff it's like this is <laughs> not so fast i am i am in hell this <laughs> is I, w- I would like to get off the ride now um yeah, but we'll uh, we'll have some good matchups this week. Obviously, Michigan, Louisville, Duke, Michigan State lost some of its luster, but that'll still be a good one. Yep. Um, Virginia, Purdue, Ohio State, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Maryland, maybe Florida State, Indiana. Um, I'll and throw then it games, on there. Yeah, and then and then games that aren't in the ACC Big Ten Challenge too, which I don't have in front of me. But like Seen we're at Iowa State this weekend, they play for the second yeah. time in ten days. How about, oh, yeah. for, how about that for a scheduling quirk? Well, well I didn't want to bring it up, but obviously they did not expect to meet in the Battle for Atlantis. Not quite. Um, yeah. 
So we're, I mean, we're, we're mostly out of the part of the schedule that is just by game season. Um, we'll yeah. still, there will still be some brutality given and brutality suffered. Um, but for the most part, these are going to be a lot of games that, that tell us stuff. Feast week is kind of the, the first iteration of that. Um, and we, we learned a lot. We, we got small sample sizes, but, but definite bumps of, you know, teams beating good teams. Mm-hmm. Just look at Michigan. Like yep. they, they have balled out so far and, and now they're being rewarded by the national media. Um, except for like the two people that still put Michigan state higher. Um, but don't even get me started on the AP poll this week. Like absolute I anarchy. Huh. I won't. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy all the time. It's people are stupid and I don't respect them. But top of that list would be poll voters, yes. football and basketball. Um, Cause it's very obvious who pays any sort of remote attention and who does not. Look, we can tra- we can talk shit about Rothstein all we want, but he at least pays attention to everything. Yeah, everything like, to a fault. to a com- to a comical degree. Yes, but he he's the guy who like right as Trump was winning the election was tweeting about some transfer in like the swack, mm-hmm. and that is just one of my favorite memes of all time. But is this his business? <laughs> it's just nonstop. Like he—he's only like sixty percent human at most. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it, he—he is who we we kind of aspire to be during this time of season. Um. So someday will will join us on the pod. Yeah. But that's the uh, that's the pipe dream. Um. Yeah. I mean, this is this is great. I'm I'm jacked up now. This is easily our longest episode of the season and oh, yeah. it's 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 only going to continue as we as we get deeper into college basketball season as we get into bowl season college football playoff it's only going to get more interesting in the landscape of college sports um and we will be here to break it down for you uh, we will see you next week <laughs>